Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I am starting this reflection off with blackness. Actually, um, I don't even think that's the best way of saying it. Because I'm thinking about culture, self-concept, and liberation culture, self-concept, and liberation, and i particularly interested in connecting each of those three things with this elusive idea of blackness, whatever that means, and um, and I don't know. I don't know what where it's going to go, but it is a reflection that I want to do, and so that's my starting point, and we will see. We will see. Um, I, a little bit of housekeeping. I'm on my way towards the my fiftieth mark. Um, this should be to, this recording should be forty episode forty three, and so I should have seven more to do after that in five days um, for the end of this month. So um, I decided last semester and this semester I was just going to do fifty. Last year I did a hundred per ep- per semester. That was insane. So I dropped it down to fifty. And I might drop it down to 25 and then use do more YouTubing um, for next season. But we, we, we will figure that out after I take a month off. Um, so, yeah, so I, I uploaded, um, I just uploaded an episode called The Absence of Flow. And uh, because when I woke up this morning, I had two things on the brain. I was thinking about blackness and flow. And um, I didn't know that. In the previous episode, I was going to focus more on the flow end. And now I'm, I'm in this episode, I'm here to pick up the second thing I woke up with. And I'm saying blackness, but it's more than that. And if you're not black, I hope you can stick around because <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that you, um, you, you wouldn't get anything out of it. That's two negatives. Let me say it. I still think you're going to be able to get something out of it. Um, so, you know, that's an invitation for you to stick around. Okay. All right, you guys. Um, if you are new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer world. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those systems together. I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist, half of that time of 30 years, and half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to power as relating to social constructs such as race, class, gender, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, please feel free to visit my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. <laughs> yournidom.wordpress.com. I'm excited because I'm under five minutes. I've done all of it. I did the intro. I did the housekeeping and my disclaimers under five minutes. There's got to be a season five because each season I get better. Somebody listen to your N.I. I'm an N.I. Dom, which was my very first episode two years ago. And I'm like, good Lord, if that's your entrance point, good Lord. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, so uh, let me tell you a little bit about this blackness theme that I think um, really is derived out of me thinking about culture, self-concept, and and liberation. And I don't know what order to give it to you because I don't, I don't, I don't know an order. It doesn't exist inside of me. So I'm just going to start. Um, I'm just going to start somewhere. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about is what's called um, black alienation. Black alienation, black attunement. Hold on a second. Okay, I had a, I had that all wrong. I had to go to get some. I had to go to my dissertation. So I'm looking at my dis- uh, dissertation, y'all, and uh, I don't want to give you the topic uh, because, um, I mean, although you can definitely still figure it out, but I'm trying to keep as much distance between my re- real identity and this project so that I can be m- 
the most authentic in terms of my reflections. The moment I have to start dealing with my primary identity, then I have to think about people who I'm connected to in that primary identity, and then it becomes about protecting them and not necessarily speaking my truth. So if you could just allow me to be a little bit, you know, uh, stay in my alias for another year or so, um, I would appreciate it. So the words are cultural estrangement. That's a cultural, that's a cultural alienation. No, it's cultural estrangement. It's spiritual alienation. And then it's an attenuation of blackness. And so those aren't my words, by the way. That's from research. Someone, another scholar. But, so I've been thinking about all of that. But I really have been thinking about the cultural aspect. Cultural estrangement, spiritual alienation. An attenuation, attenuation of blackness. And I had to look up that word attenuation today. It simply means to weaken, to uh, weaken the process of something or to weaken the consideration of something. I'm moving about from room to room because I'm trying to deal with some housing situation. And my dog, she, she wants to sit in the room with me as I do these reflections. And so I get up and I move. And she has to become uncomfortable, and then she runs to the next room with me, and she reestablishes herself. I just thought it was funny. Anyway, um, so I've been thinking about, um, because I'm at an age where I feel like I am reflecting on my life. I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like the best years of my life are all in the past. I don't feel that way. But I've Definitely, I've been thinking about, I have been looking over my shoulder, if you will. And part of the reason why I'm looking over my shoulder is because I'm not connected to what there is right now. And looking over my shoulder, one of the things I'm doing when I look over my shoulder is, when I was in that earlier time period, was I connected to that? See, as an NI Dom, I'm not connected to the present tense. So what I don't want to do is be delusional about I'm missing, I'm like feeling like I'm missing something right now, feeling like I'm not connected. And I don't want to look over my shoulder and like, oh, remember that time period? That was a great time period. You were so connected. Because more than likely, I wasn't connected then. But what I think it could be is that while I wasn't connected in those time periods in the past that I'm kind of romanticizing, I had access to something that I no longer have access to. So there's a longing for it. So like there's a longing for my grandmother. There's a longing for her house. And it's both her house and her. So my grandmother, what she existed for me, how she existed for me in my life is that um, I always had somewhere to go. And it was like that with my ex's grandmother, too. I could go get a thing of Pepsi, go to her house, we're going to play cards. And that was, I always had a place to go. Now, I at that time, now here's the thing. At that time, I craved having social. Like, I didn't have the social life that I wanted. But I had a home. I had, I had intimacy. I had built in intimacy. Yeah, I had built in intimacy. Now, I feel okay with my social life. I mean, I think the only, honestly, the only thing I'm missing is, um, well, I'm missing two things, but really the only thing I'm, Missing would be a significant other, you know. And I even have to think about that because as I've gotten back on my feet and I'm back really dealing with who I am as a person, I a significant part of me is is enjoys my independence. So as I say I want to, you know, get into another relationship, I don't want to lose my independence. And that's not something, as a woman, that's not an easy configuration. So I'm not begrudging not being in a relationship. 
But I think that, and I, it actually scares me because I don't want to, I don't want to lose myself in another relationship. So in my friend, my new voice group, um, I'm, the guy that I've been, um, that's, that I've been engaging with, he's going through a divorce right now. And I'm like, and that, that's of 19 years. And I'm like, oh my word. I had to get over 10 years, 19 years of your life. And then you have to rebuild it. Woo, my word. My, my, my. <laughs> so I'm trying to like put things in perspective. So, um, so I feel pretty good with my social life. Um, I don't need a lot of social life. That's the other thing. Um, I also accepted a while ago, um, uh, within the last year or so that I get a, a lot of my social needs met through work. It's a lot of social and it satisfies that. Um, yeah, and I get out like I'm getting, after I do this reflection, I'm going to have brunch with someone today. I was with someone yesterday, with someone two day, day before that. Um, tomorrow, Monday, <laughs> like I gotta slow down. I really have to slow down. And so, um, yeah. But I don't have the, in, the built in intimacy where intimacy isn't just about a romantic partner or about a best friend. You know, um, it was, you know, and what I loved about the intimacy I had with my grandmother is we would talk and we didn't talk about deep issues. I mean, we could, we, we did, but that's, that didn't define all of our togetherness. Um, some of that intimacy was just sitting in the realness and the rawness of who we were as people. I'm, I feel like crying, but I feel guilty crying for my grandmother because I feel like I still should be crying for my dad. And I've been doing, I have been crying for him. So I'm, I'm glad because I've been really needing to cry to get that out of me because when that grief is locked in the body, I don't think it's healthy. So anyway, um, yeah, so my grandmother can be in her raw, full, vulnerable self, and I can be in my raw, full, vulnerable self. And we never had to exchange a word, just sitting in each other's presence. And um, that's a big loss for me. So yesterday when I was walking the dogs, I have two dogs and I was walking my dogs and I was like, I feel really, I feel I'm struggling in saying I'm missing my dad. Cause I want to say I'm missing him. I want to say I'm missing my dad and I feel like I am. But then I challenge, well, what does that even mean? He wasn't in your life. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, so he wasn't in, an active part of my life, and when we were interact interacting, um, it was like this very toxic cycle. Like either we were just getting like doing some kind of amending. Like, I wouldn't call it a, a makeup because we weren't breaking up, but there was like a mending process. Then there was a, um, a waiting process. And then there was the explosion process. And that waiting process, because you know that the explosion piece will happen, that in between time between the amending and the explosion, you, you kind of are just like suspended. So you're going through the motions. You're like, okay, when is the shoe going to drop? Now, it wasn't always like that to my knowledge because um, I didn't always have that explosiveness. My mom has been doing this really weird thing. Like, I didn't have conflict with your dad after we divorced. That is so not true. The man didn't pay child support. The man was not present. Of course you had conflict with him. So she wanted to make it seem like the... Um, and maybe, I don't know. I can't, I, I, I can't. They had some time to talk to each other. And so, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to go down a rabbit hole about what it was like for her to 
when he died, like we did, my sister initiated it. I didn't, I didn't have the presence of mind to do this. I got to give her credit. But when my father died, after we kind of did it, like the first few days, my, my sister said, send condolences to my mom because she, that was her first, literally her first love. And that was the man who fathered her kids. So even though he was kind of this toxic person for her, he also was this, and, you know, and so I know that that's something I've had to contend with my mother on in terms of who my dad was, like who owns his story, who owns his story, who owns his, the perception of him. And she knew him before she knew me and she knew him in ways I didn't know, right? They were intimate. They were lovers. Yeah. And I, but I was his daughter. And so it's never, you know, who's the closest to him and that there was like a little bit of a contest there. So anyway, um, up until, like I said, my thirties, my mid thirties, you know, when he wasn't around, it wasn't about me. It was about my mom, but my mother said, my mother's trying to make it be, when he wasn't around, it was about us as the kids, but I don't, I don't believe that. Um, what I know about him as an adult, when he didn't get his way, he would just go off. He would just leave. Anyway, I don't want to do that. I really want to do one episode where I just talk about my father in positives, which is difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. Not because he didn't have positives. Yeah, but they were, his positives were so entangled. And some of those challenges that I don't know if it would be genuine to just isolate all of the challenges to talk about the positive. I don't know if it would be um, genuine, honest, or real because he truly, there truly were positives, but they truly were entangled in some of the darker sides. But anyway, so yesterday I was walking the dogs thinking I'm missing my dad. And then I'm like, well, how do you miss somebody who wasn't there? So then I had to, I mean, I was doing this internal wrestling about, that can you miss him? I don't know, but um, I don't know. So I landed with the idea of him. I land missing the idea of him, missing the idea of maybe one day we will get this thing figured out. But I think that's the part that hurts the most. I believe I sat unconsciously with this belief or this hope, this desire that one day we were going to be able to work it out, and we were going to make the permanent amend, and be father and daughter and now he's gone so that I can't even I can't even hope for that anymore um um yeah um let me think anyway one of the things I thought about yesterday I don't even know why I'm talking about him but one thing in terms in terms of intimacy this is a really really weird um consideration that although my father had this very toxic and hurtful, abusive way of interacting with you, um, there was a level of intimacy that I had with him. And that's a hard thing to explain. Um, and I think, I think, and I'm going to explain it through FI intimacy. FI as an introverted feeling. An introverted feeling, as I understand it, is, um, about authenticity, about being your true self, by being connected to your values. My father was a man of value, values, and a value, but a val had he had values, and I have values. So even if our values weren't aligned, there was an, uh, a respect that we have for one another, being values people. Okay, we were big on being authentic, and one of the reasons why he would disappear is because. It would be something that would threaten his his authenticity. And I really, that's one of the things, like I remember when he was in the hospital in 2018, I was like, Dad, I've discovered this personality theory system and I really wanted it to be liber, liberatory, liber, liberatory, liberation, liberatory for him because um I think that that FI and that NI is just misunderstood. And when you're trying to fight for your own integrity and sense of self-worth in a world that doesn't really 
that vilifies those functions, um, it's tough. And so I really wanted to give him that gift and I wasn't able to do that. But, um, yeah, so we have this authenticity thing, although it's lower in our stack, we still have it. And so, um, I miss that. I miss being able to sit. I think my grandmother had it. I think hers was upper. I think my grandmother was an ISFP like my sister, which is why they really connected. Um, yeah, they really, really did connect. But she, she loved me. <laughs> she loved me. And I'm, anyway, and that's a big deal coming from intergenerational trauma, how my family has treated love as this contest and it's a resource and it's weaponized. And so that's separate. But, um, but she, yeah, she loved me and, uh, she gave me a hard time at times, but she loved me. Um, so I'm missing that. I'm missing intimacy as it relates to being able to connect with people on an unspoken level. I don't have that right now. So I've been thinking about that. I'm sorry. I'm, I just have hit some rabbit holes, haven't I? Um, I've been thinking about the cultural aspect of that intimacy. Both of those people I've talked about are black. My grandmother and my dad. And when I go around my family, particularly on my mom's side, my granny, where my granny that I'm talking about with my grandmother, there is blackness that, that you can enjoy. And I say blackness, not that all black people. So I think all black people would probably have some kind of scope of blackness, but I, I'm almost certain that it's not the same. You could put two black people in a room and they're going to have to talk through that blackness a little bit. There's going to be some overlap, but it's not going to be an automatic overlap. You're going to have to do some talking and negotiating. So one of the things I think that happens when I make friends with another African-American, we do negotiate this idea of blackness. And then we find, we create a form of blackness that we have in common. And then we lean into it. Now, I'm just thinking this through right now because I've never processed this. Because this isn't something that happens formally. It happens informally. Some of the things, you know, about like foods. Of course, that's not the first, it's not like you meet another African-American and then that's a checklist of, let's go through these things, <laughs> you know, check, check, check. No, but somehow in that initial getting to know you phase, we're going to talk about foods. Um, we're going to talk about spirituality. We're going to talk about whiteness. Um, and then I think we may talk about church. And we may talk, mm, sorry, well, we may talk about politics. Um, we're going to talk about black on blackness. Um, and we're going to talk about achievement. Now, I think music, I think music comes up too. I think, but I'm not 100% sure. And, and then what we'll do then is calibrate. So, um, so if we talk about spirituality, does spirituality include church? If it includes church, what denomination? If it includes, you know, the denomination, does it have this aspect? And so then we get to know each other, but that is a conversation we're going to have. Um, we're going to talk about dating. Now, one of the things I, I need to, I think with the whole, Marriage equity and now I guess marriage, marriage, marriage equity is on the line based on, um, you know, the Supreme Court <laughs> decision around reversing Roe v.s Roe v. Wade and there are some other private, I guess privacy, um, uh, what do you call them? cases, uh, not findings, settlements that can now be revisited. I don't know. But okay, um, I, I'm not even prepped to even go into a rabbit hole on that, even if I wanted to. But um, so there are just these different ways that we will enter into a conversation because it's important to us. And then we have to, like I said, calibrate specifically how we show up as individuals from our families or our neighborhoods and all of that. And uh, yeah, and that's interesting because I don't think I've ever read, read that. 
So that's just me making an observation. Um, me making, um, me speculating, me theorizing from some observations that I've made. So I thought about that. And then I thought, well, I don't even have a lot of places where I'm doing blackness. So I have the one friend that I'm just beginning to make friends with. Um, and we, there's an age gap between us and there's a class gap between us and there's a professional level gap between us. So we have three main gaps, but we have blackness as something that unites us. And the reason why that's a thing, because there is such an unspoken element to our relationship, even if we're not in conversation with each other. So somebody may say, oh, um, uh, uh, Christina said X, Y, and Z. And I don't really understand what, I don't really understand what Christina meant when she said X, Y, and Z and say Christina is black. And I go, oh, well, more than likely Christina is saying this, this is what it's meant. So there's an unspoken understanding. There's an unspoken sharedness that happens. And, um, I don't have that. It also happens with white Americans too. And so, um, but it's activated differently. So whiteness as a shared experience is activated differently amongst white people than it is. Blackness is activated as a shared experience among black people. Man, this, I really need to be doing a lot of writing because there's so much in me that I want to put in the world that, um, but I don't know if I had, if somebody was just going to pay me to write full time, I'm not sure if that's what I would want to do. I'm not sure. And I remember my heart coach asked me, she said, why don't you look at to get in some grants so you can write these books that you have in you? And so what it looks like is I'm procrastinating. I'm talking a lot and I'm not doing, and maybe that's the T, the auxiliary TE not taking the action that it needs to take. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, talking about blackness, getting back to it. Um, I don't have it. So I have that one friend. I have my family that I can go to for having a black experience, but that's also laced with some trauma stuff. So that's not fun. I can go to a black church, which is something I'm trying to revisit, but that means most black churches in my city where I, um, live, they don't hold my, um, my political views as a critical race feminist. And so in the black church, politics does come through. And so it's hard to sit there as a critical race feminist, um, and have parts of my belief system, uh, directly challenged or dismissed or ignored. So I have just found it easier to just not attend church. And so when, or when I do attend church, I've been attending white churches. So since I've been back to my hometown for the last four years, it'll be five. Um, when did I start attending church? It's been four years though of attending white church, attending white church. Um, so that's been constant the past four years. This year was the first year. So uh, I was in, um, a black neighborhood. So I was attending white church. I was in a black neighborhood. Then I was, um, I moved to another black church, excuse me. I moved to another black neighborhood, but the, which was a little more diverse. Um, but it still was significant because prior to me moving back home, I was in print in white neighborhoods. So living in a black neighborhood, um, after being out of a black neighborhood for decades, because I was in white neighborhoods for decades, you don't, I didn't realize, and I've said this before, when I got back into a black neighborhood after being in white neighborhoods for decades, you, I was breathing differently. I was more settled in my body. Never knew I wasn't settled in my body. Never knew I wasn't breathing until I was in a black neighborhood again. And I could see the difference, right? So then when I moved to the second black neighborhood, I was also in predominantly black workspaces. Okay, so I was doing white church and then white karaoke because the karaoke bars I go to are predominantly white because I love country music. 
That's just what it is. Okay. And it's hard for me when an, as African Americans come into white karaoke bars because I know I'm doing, I know I'm going to do country. And I always wonder, am I going to be kicked out of the squad? Like, am I violating my black card? There's this running joke, which is not a joke about losing your black card, right? If you do something that's so not, that's outside of the realm of blackness, you, you can't, then you're going to lose your black card. Like you still black, but you're going to lose your access pass, if you will. And that can be scary. It can be scary. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, um, So anyway, when uh, the, a group came in last night, it was about four African-Americans. I was like, oh, should I change my song? <laughs> should I change my song? Should I not perform? But I did. I did the song I was going to do. Actually, I did too. And I was in my, I'm getting more comfortable as a performer, which that means I'm getting comfortable in my inferior SE function. And, uh, and then as I left, I was like, okay, usually when you are in a predominantly white space, you make eye contact when you see another black person. It's like I, it's like an acknowledgement. I see you, you see me, and we're safe with each other. It is an unspoken thing. Now, I read somewhere that whites do it when they're in predominantly, uh, when they're the minority. You just recognize people from your squad. It is what it is. So I was like, okay, I was a little nervous to make that eye contact because I didn't know if they were going to be like, she can't sing. <laughs> But they were, it was, it was just a really beautiful cultural exchange. As I was walking out of the bar last night, like all of three, five seconds, I had this cultural connection with these strangers. I'll probably never see them again, but we had a cultural connection. And I'm missing that. And I'm not saying I'm missing it and I don't want to, I want to do away with my white communities. No, but I'm saying as I am missing my cultural connection. And I'm back, so I'm, um, white neighborhood, white job, white karaoke, and there's been a lot of race, there's been a lot of race consideration here, and it's just a lot. And so in the, in dealing with what I call, what is called white fatigue, I'm missing black culture. But then it's like, well, what is black culture? And so that just gets really stupid and complicated. It's complicated and stupid. And so, and so I was just thinking, man, it might, maybe I just force myself to find a black church. And even though it's going to violate tenets of my, uh, critical race feminism, I'm, I'm in, I'm in spaces that's violating my blackness. It's violating, it's violating my blackness. And so I can just deal with it. Um, so this is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to start closing because I, oh, I know. So I'm just thinking about those terms. Is it cultural estrangement, attenuation? I can't think of the words now. Spiritual alienation and so much of black culture is connected to spirituality. I'm disconnected from the self. And so in one of my social psychology books, it says the self is tethered to one's culture. How you see the self is connected to how culture sees you. Uh, how culture treats. How culture is defined. And so I feel that I'm culturally estranged. And I also wonder, does that impact my friendship building? Does it impact my dating? I, I'm, I'm, I really believe this is something I have to deal with. I really do. So as I'm sitting here this summer, like oh, I'm trying to get in flow state, I'm trying to do work. Part of my inability to do flow state is because I'm looking for a total life and having community. I've got to have black community. I don't have to have exclusive black community. But I got to have black community and I don't. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. And I will start closing here. 
I was reading one of the things I'm learning to break this issue of not having the motivation to do work is I've been reading my dissertation. That's a good piece of work, y'all. Oh my gosh. I don't know how other people feel after they, cause you, you, you like my dissertation is 300 plate, 300 pages plus. So it's excessive. It's excessively long. I think most dissertations are around 125, 150 pages. So I doubled that, right? It's, it was an intense writing process. And there's some typos in it, right? I, I saw another typo. I spelled somebody's last name wrong. I'm like, Lord, I didn't have the money to pay for an editor. And it is what it is. So I think I did pretty damn good producing a 300 play, plus page document. Uh, and I was the only editor um because I know one of my classmates had her parents, who were English teachers, edit her paper. Oh, you talk about the built-in advantage. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, so I've been periodically pulling that document out, that, that and it is good. And so one of the things I'm wondering is if my interest... I don't know how to say this. This is really complicated. I have an interest in, I'm going to say black liberation and that's, I don't like it. So let me not say it. I have an interest. Here it is. I have an interest in liberation for all people who are oppressed. And that includes black people. So I don't think I have a focus on black liberation but I have a focus on liberation and that includes black people. Does that make sense? And so I, um, and that notion of the liberation that also includes black people can put me in flow state. It can put me there. Is that a bad thing? No. But what to do with it? I have no idea. But that's what was on my mind this morning. And while I'm trying to get into flow for my business, I guess the question is, should I be pursuing business that's not about flow? Maybe, maybe my business was about flow at some point. It's not about it anymore. And one thing about liberation as it relates to blackness uh, is that it's interdisciplinary. This, it, it requires multiple disciplines. It requires multiple skill sets. And like today I was like, okay, I need, this is something I'm deeply passionate about. I need to contact a group of past, black pastors and have a conversation with them. I'm going to start doing that because I believe there's something I'm supposed to be doing as it relates to liberation and blackness. Most of my liberation work has been done through education. And then it included black people, not in terms of erasing blackness as its own uh, existent as existential condition. But when I did liber when I do liberation in education, I look at the needs of my students. If they're queer if they're low income white, if they're low income black, they're middle income black. I look at liberation based on what they need, you know. And so I've, I've, I, um, I've hit a place where I'm starting to really confront that all of those other demographic groups will be able to be addressed. But there's something about the, the racialization of black folks and education that is not going to happen. So what am I going to do? Am I going to ignore it? Am I going to ignore years of training? Am I going to ignore, ignore my introverted intuition? What it's showing me? No. But then what am I going to do with this quote unquote business? And I really, like I said, I pray to be released from that business. And maybe I should give myself permission to park it. But it's been with me for so long. It's been a companion for so long. I don't know how to do that. So I'm in a room where I'm looking at boxes. I need to get these boxes cleared out. 
So I don't know. I feel like it's more I want to say, but that's all I'm going to say. And I don't want to listen to this and I'm sure I'll talk about it again. But I guess to lump these, link these two episodes, the one on the absence of flow and confronting that there's black liberatory work that I want to do. There's black liberatory work that I want to do, but I don't want to do it at the level that is going to cause me to ignore my business. And that's hard. But I think I'm not going to experience I'm not going to experience flow if I don't confront this aspect of, and maybe it's a piece of it. Maybe, maybe it's not parking my business so much as really understanding an aspect of my business that's been overlooked. And that feels, that feels important. It feels honest. That feels good saying that. But I don't like the idea of saying black liberation because I know black liberation theorists, black liberation theologists, and that's not me. Because I don't really think my focus on liberation is specifically about black people. But I cannot talk about liberation of the human experience without understanding the uniqueness that black people have in terms of liberation. It may sound like semantics, like wordplay, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is. So, But I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to meditate on my relationship to liberation and black liberation and my business. And, um, and I'm certain that flow state is going to come when I resolve that. Well, I should say I'm certain. I'm certain. I'm curious. I'm curious. I can't say for sure, but I am curious. Will flow state come when I confront black liberation? Not as the end all to my business, but as a component of it. I'm going to think about it. I'll have the answer. But this idea for my own liberation, I'm trying to do liberation for my own self and trying to get back on my feet, right? Trying to reestablish myself. And I don't have black culture around me right now. And culture is such a significant part of the self. It's one thing if I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do black culture. I'm going to do white culture now, but I'm not doing that either. So there is a, there is cultural estrangement from that I'm dealing with. Let me read to you what cultural estrangement is. And I want to end there because I think that this reflection is twofold. My own cultural estrangement, my own estrangement from culture as it relates to me and my disconnect from black liberation as it relates to my business. I don't know what the main answer is going to be, but it's my consideration. I'm going to put you on pause. You're not going to know. I'm going to walk to the next room. I'm going to read to you uh, some information on black estrangement. Hold on. Okay, so I'm back. So I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to talk about a couple of other things. In cultural estrangement, um, we you lose your memory to your cultural roots um, you adopt the culture of the dominant group. Um, oh. And you run the risk of having self-hate because you no longer have the affirmation from your group. And I've been talking about affirmation and desperately needing it. I shouldn't say desperately, but thinking about it. And it never occurred to me that the affirmation I could be looking for is cultural affirmation. That's interesting. And it's, um, and there's a conversation about not, uh, material violence, uh, material oppression when we are disconnected from our culture. And so I, I'm going to go and do some more reading on that for myself and maybe I'll come back and talk with you all. But, um, I'm in a sea of whiteness. 
I'm in the land. I've created a lifestyle of in in white spaces, all while not a all in my mind consciously not trying to adopt tenets of whiteness. So while I'm consciously not trying to adopt tenets of whiteness, I'm definitely disconnected from my culture. And I struggle because I don't want to just be seen as black, right? I want to be seen as, I want to be ultimately seen as human. But blackness is, is part of my culture, just like Christianity is part of my culture. And so it's just complicated. So it makes me want to do more studying on culture as well. But I'm, 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 I'm certain that all of this, this, this cultural estrangement is impacting flow state. <laughs> and it's impacting quality of life for me. And I think the number one reason why I have, why it's not just simple as, oh, just going back into black space because I'm in a region in the United States that's highly segregated. And so black spaces are stripped of resources, material resources. And then as an, hold on, as an NT person, I need to be in spaces where I can, my, my temperament as an NT will be allowed. And so I find, and here's, this is the thing about, uh, whiteness. Whiteness is not restricted by resources. Blackness is restricted by resources. Not all black people, but blackness, it, it is defined around the pursuit of resources and the inex- the inaccessibility of those resources, where whiteness is not defined by resources. This is fascinating. So I can put myself in white spaces and not be deprived of my NT temperament. Even though I'm deprived of my culture, I'm not deprived of my NT temperament. When I put myself in black spaces because of the deprivation of resources, my NT temperament becomes um it becomes turbulent and so i in tea for me is it's you know i was even reading this morning about the role of education for black people like it was against the law for black people to be educated so that has a legacy it's not that it's Oh, it's no longer against the law to educate black people. Now we need to look at how we educate black people. We educate black people systemically in an inferior fashion. And this is not me being hyperbolic. When you look at the where the majority of African Americans are schooled, you look at what cities and you look at public education and you look at how public education is funded severely. Um, starved of resources and then you have somebody like me who's invested a lot in my education not that I'm superior at all but it just makes interacting in those spaces difficult different now like my new black friend that I'm having like she's she has two degrees and she's middle class and so we can have those talks but it becomes it's not as an abundant experience I hope I'm Hey, if you're listening to me and you're black and I'm saying something that's off, I beg you, I beg you to challenge me because this is, this feels a little sticky. I won't say icky, but it feels a little sticky to try to navigate through, but I need to do it all the same because, because I don't think just saying I'm going to go to a black, oh, just go to a black space and I'll be fine. No, because black space is defined differently. In white spaces. So that's why I'm able to go in white spaces, get some of the things I need. Because whiteness isn't about those, re- it's not about restricting those resources. Now there's gatekeeping on those resources. So while I can get in the space, I can get access in, I can get access to the space. I'm not going to be a true benefactor of those resources as a black woman. But I can get in there. I can get, I can get close. And at 51, I've kind of learned that and I've developed an appetite of what I can access and what I can't access. I don't have an appetite for it anymore. 
So this was good. It was a good, uh, it was, it took me a minute to get into this reflection. And so I'm going to, um, I think I'm going to close here and just think more about the, the construction of blackness around material resources, around education. What does that mean for me as it with an NT temperament, NT in, in the letter N, the letter T as an in intuition and thinking? How it, my disconnect culturally. So while I'm trying to problem solve my NT temperament, I'm disconnected culturally and how that cultural disconnect is impacting my flow state and my quality of life. I do not have answers, but what I've done in this reflection is I have now defined the problem. You cannot solve a problem if you don't have the problem defined. So I'm going to end and be encouraged that I have defined the problem. I have no idea what the answer is going to be (laughs) the solution, but anyway. All right, you guys, I have seven more reflections to do. (laughs) And I want to do one. um, It just, just, anyway, anyway. Okay, so you guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation around culture, blackness, whiteness, um, material resources, education, um, estrangement, and even flow, if this is a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yourinidom.wordpress.com, Twitter, yourinidom1. Facebook and YouTube at your and I don't. Let me give you your assignment. I'm not going to center this conversation in culture, although I have been curious about who my faithful listeners are. Like out of the people who've made contact with me, they've all been black. I'm also, I'm, and I'm not saying United States black, but I know I do not believe that only black people listen to this podcast. <laughs> But out of the four people who've ever, I should say the four, the four reasons, I think, nope, that's not true. About a year or so, I had a couple of people who made contact with me. But I just am curious about the racial makeup of my my listeners. It is what it is. So, but I'm not going to root it in culture. I'm going to, but I'm going to say, think about estrangement. What is estrangement? Like, look up the word estrangement. Think about it, because I wish I would have had time to do that with you all, but I don't. So look up the word estrangement. Think about it. And think about, are there areas of your life in which you are estranged? You are disconnected from something that you need. Some some part of your roots, right? So familial roots, cultural roots, you know, I even think about being estranged from like, I'm in a space and I cannot think using my, my educational, my training. I, I experience, I suffer. I have cognitive discord, not dissonance, but discord. And so one of the things I've been really coming to terms with is half of my training is leadership. So that's why I'm in spaces spiraling. Because other people's form of leadership can be a violation to how I've been trained on what leadership is. And then I don't have a way of addressing that. This is an, it's an issue of leadership. Because I've, if I'm not in a leadership position, do I have access to leadership? Do I have access to knowing about leadership? Do I have, an act, do I have the ability to, to weigh in on what leadership is? And so that's something I'm going to have to um, really sit, sit with as well. But I'm estranged. When I go back into the classroom as a teacher, I become estranged from leadership. It's not because I need to be the boss, but I do need to be connected to my training, my roots. So what are you estranged? What is it? What are you estranged from? And what can you do about it, if anything? All right, you guys. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.